My name is Matthew Watson. I serve as one of the pastors here at Christ City. Uh, listen, it's a joy uh, to be with you this morning. I'm so thankful for all of you that have joined this morning. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm thankful uh, to those of you on the Zoom call. Thanks for lending your voices uh, to our prayers and to our confessions. Uh, it's, it's so good to hear your voices. Uh, thank you. Listen to all of you on our YouTube channel. Um, yeah, the, you know, the, one of the fun things is we get pictures like each week, every other week um, of so many of you. Um, and uh, pictures of you like showing us that you're tuning in and that you're watching. Uh, we get photos of like kiddos watching the Kid City lesson, of roommates worshiping together, of families like standing uh, to reverence the reading of God's word. And we got lots of photos of the amazing and sometimes weird things you guys are using for communion. So, hey, look, we praise God for all of it. So thank you uh, to all of you for sharing those with us. Um, listen, I'll tell you what, let's do this. Uh, those of you that are tuning in, if you're able, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead, uh, take a photo of how it is, where it is uh, that you're joining us for worship. It can be a selfie of you, like some kind of, it could be a screenshot, a photo of the service, your communion elements this morning, anything you'd like. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a picture of that, and I want you to send them to us. You can send them via email, info, christcitydc.org. Uh, I tell you what, or you can take it and then just like post it in the chat, uh, I think. I don't know if you can actually do that, but I'm believing by faith. You can do that. So post uh, them on social media if you like. That's your jam. Tag us. Let us uh, know. And let's make this virtual space even more connected as much as we're able. Say all of that to say thank you for joining us in worship this morning. I'm grateful that you're here. I'm honored that you're here. I'm honored to be here with you. Just, just over two months ago, we started this sermon series on prayer. And when we started, it was much more than a sermon series, really. It was the start of a season in which we wanted to dedicate ourselves as a church and as people to prayer. We wanted to, to cultivate within our individual and collective lives a rhythm of prayer that was informed by Jesus' prayer in Matthew 6, a prayer that we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. The, the hope in this uh, was that we might begin to understand and begin to experience the power of God in our midst as we call upon him, that we might become more, more practiced in prayer, that we might become more anticipatory of the Spirit's movement within our lives, within our relationships and circumstances, and that we might sense the presence of the Almighty in our neighborhoods and in our world. And as we dug into understanding the Lord's prayer and as we ourselves prayed our own prayers. We, my prayer, our prayer has been that we would experience the power and presence and refreshment and sustenance of God as we move through the days and weeks and months and seasons that this time of focus, focused prayer has encompassed. We began this season uh, by praying together daily. Uh, we started our church-wide Lenten prayers on Ash Wednesday. And we prayed each weekday at 7 a.m., through Lent, leading up to Easter. Each morning, uh, members of the Christ City family would, would gather uh, on Zoom. We would read scriptures. We would, uh, we would pray for things in the world. We would pray for our city. We would uh, pray for our church. Uh, we prayed for one another. And look, sometimes, I want to be honest, uh, sometimes the saints on the call, they were a little quiet. So a morning prayer would be like 15 people on a call sharing silent prayers together. Uh, other times, what was intended to be 20 minutes of gathered prayer stretched, into, stretched on a bit as the saints poured out their hearts and prayers to God, asking God to heal and to repair things that the enemy had broken. 
But each morning, it offered anew a chance to center ourselves in the presence of God, knowing that each of us has a heavenly Father who is not so far off as to be unable to hear our prayers, but rather we have a God who hears our prayers, whether they be silent or loud, long-winded or briefly stated, beautifully articulated or only uttered through tears and groans, God hears our prayers. So we prayed. We continue to pray. We prayed in our small groups. Each week during our spring small group semester, which just completed week before last, uh, we ended our times together praying for one another. And during different weeks, during our small group sessions, uh, we practiced different prayer forms, some of which might have been uh, newer for you. We prayed prayers of intercession, uh, praying for each other and for our loved ones and others that we knew who needed God's intervention in their lives. We prayed uh, silent prayers. We prayed uh, on prayer walks in our neighborhoods. We, we prayed the names of Jesus. We prayed the Lectio Divina. We, we prayed uh, scriptural prayers that we had memorized. Yet in all of this, and uh, all of these prayers and prayer forms, the aim is that we might have grown in our understanding of and experience of the power of calling on the name of the Lord. Now, look, I, I recount all of that, all, all of what we've done and where we've been on this prayerful journey, because the truth of it is, is that sometimes when you're on a journey, you just don't know how far you've come until you stop and you look back a bit. It takes a, a, a minute to, to stop and to, and to reflect on how it started and, and how it's going. There's this trend in some parts of the social media wilderness where uh, folks are showing a version of kind of before and after photos, uh, trends called how it started and how it's going. The trend began in the back half of 2020, and the point was often to show, uh, you know, some progress in one thing or another. Sometimes it was like, um, like a fitness plan, uh, and so there's like photos of before the start of the fitness routine and lifestyle changes, and then they show like how it's going as they make some progress in their fitness or weight loss goals, or how they're not making progress, and then it's just a tongue-in-cheek thing. Sometimes it's like, a, like professional before and afters. LeBron James posted one about how it started with him with like zero national championships, first year with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and then him standing in front of like four NBA titles, two gold medals, MVP awards, just like all the things, how it started, how it's going. Uh, this week, uh, Lisa and I, we uh, celebrated 20 years of marriage. So, um, I, hey, I'm excited about that. You can clap. I can get a hand chat, a hand clap in the chat. Uh, now, you know, um, I got a photo I want to show you about how it started. Um, so this is, uh, this is a picture of Lisa and I. Didn't like me in that way. I was clearly in the friend zone. Now I want to show you a photo that was taken 19 months after that. Uh, it's not exactly. thing is, it, it can be hard to know how far you've come in the individual moments of life. Sometimes it takes a backward glance, a minute to look in the rear view and remember where we started and the road that we've taken to arrive at this point in our lives. 
and a celebratory minute that allows us to see the waypoints that we've crossed in becoming who we are now as children of God. So I share all the ways that we've prayed, the things that we've done during this series as a way for us to remember where we started and where we are now. And it's not as though we've arrived in some ways, uh, but I trust that by God's grace and God's graciousness that we've moved farther along on the journey of prayer and have individually and collectively found God meeting us as we've met with him. So, you know, just before we move past this point, I want to invite you, I want to ask you to take some time, maybe later today. Heck, honestly, maybe even right now, I won't be offended if during the rest of this sermon you do it. But take a minute to look back on the things that you have prayed for during Lent and since the season of Lent. Make note of the ways that your prayers have been answered and celebrate those. Make note of the prayers that still seem unanswered. Notice how your prayers have changed or the variety of prayers that you have now prayed. But do your own personal version of how it started and how it's going, remembering that as our siblings in recovery communities often remind us, it's progress, not perfection, that's important. What have been the marks of your journey with prayer over these past 10 weeks. Take note of them, make stock of them, celebrate them, but don't move past them. This morning, uh, we're going to conclude our series on the Lord's Prayer. And I want to just look briefly at the last phrase in Matthew 6, 13. The phrase that says, but deliver us from the evil one. Or some translations simply say, but deliver us from evil. When we began this series, there were a couple of ways that we framed the definition of prayer. The first was we said prayer is simply communing with God. In that first week, we noted that prayer as communing with God are those moments when we are communicating with God, where we're talking with God, where we're um, talking with our mouths or with our minds or with our lives or from our souls, where we're talking with or walking with God, sitting with God, living with a, a Godward intentionality. Those moments, we said, were, well, they were prayers. The second way that we framed our understanding of prayer was to see prayer as calling on the name of the Lord. And more, more pointedly and more uh, clearly, to say that prayer was calling on God to come through on God's promises, chiefly his promises of salvation and rescue and redemption and renewal. To say it again, prayer is calling out to God, calling on God to come through on his promises to save, to rescue, to redeem, and to renew. Jesus' concluding statement in this, the Lord's Prayer, it is exactly that. God, come through on your promises to deliver us from the evil one. This is what Jesus is inviting us to pray. Jesus is, is, is intending his disciples to understand that God is the one who rescues us. He is the one who initiates our rescue from evil. And not simply forces of evil, but the author of evil. Our faith as followers of Jesus, it is always held that there is an enemy of God, and that enemy is the devil, the one who is not only God's adversary, but ours as well. Satan is the one who Jesus said, he's the one that looks to steal and kill and to destroy. And describing this adversary, Pope Francis, in his book on the Lord's Prayer, he says that evil should rightly be written in uppercase, for evil has a name. Evil is real and powerful, and the evil one is real and is powerful. 
Even during this series, over the last several weeks on prayer, we have had to bear witness to the evils in our world, have we not? The evils of diseases that have affected our very breath and taken our loved ones. Evils of racism that bear their violent heads and gun violence and police brutality and economic violence that has led D.C. to experience the largest gap in income disparity that this city has seen in generations. The ongoing waves of evil They have wearied us as a community, as a nation. And no doubt the relentlessness of evil in our world has wearied you, dear saint. Undoubtedly, you have prayed this very line from the Lord's prayer in some way, shape, or form. Lord, deliver us from evil. And yet, evil is not only out there in other people or only in systems and structures, although evil is certainly present there but it is also tragically present and active within each of us. It is, as the 20th century Russian novelist and political prisoner Alexander Solzhenitsyn famously observed when he wrote, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and to destroy them. But the line that, the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. We need God's rescue from the evil in our world and in our lives. As theologian Anna Case Winters notes, there are two evils from which we need deliverance. The evil we experience and the evil that we do. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer asking for God's intervention into the wretchedness of the human heart and the appalling oppression of others that it can produce. It is a prayer crying for God to rescue us from the violence of wars, oppression and injustice, and the violence of self-righteousness and arrogance and greed and pride that give way to evil's offspring. And yet, the prayer that Jesus invites us to pray is laden with the hope that God will and indeed has made good on his promise to deliver us. You see, just as Jesus intends his followers to recognize the reality of evil and the evil one, Jesus also ultimately wants us, his disciples, to know the reality of his victory over evil and the evil one. Can somebody say amen? When Jesus took up the cross, And made his way to Calvary, he took up the yoke of the evil one. And when Jesus was resurrected from the dead and burst out of the tomb, he broke that yoke and thereby made a way for us to find our rescue in him, rescue for our souls and for our world. The theologian N.T. Wright so poetically describes when he writes, when we follow Jesus' instruction to pray, deliver us from evil, we inhale the victory of the cross and thereby hold the line for another moment, another hour, another day against the forces of destruction within ourselves and within the world. However, we're not only invited to breathe in this prayer, we are also invited to breathe out this prayer, to live out this prayer, as Nikki pointed out, to be salt and light of this prayer. You see, the Lord's Prayer is also an invitation for us to participate with God in seeing this prayer come to pass. Sometimes the Lord wants us, wants to use us in his work of deliverance. 
As I said, let me say it again. Sometimes the Lord wants to use us in his work of deliverance. Sometimes, many times, oftentimes, most times, 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 God is saying to us, his children, join me in the work of liberation. Be my hands and feet. Be my voice and presence. As the spirit indwells us as those that have placed our faith in Christ, as those that have turned from sin to salvation, as those that have turned from the strong man to the one who's bound the strong man, as those that have experienced the rescue that comes from God Almighty, we are now invited into the work of deliverance that God wants to exact in the world. And this too is what it means to pray that God would rescue us from evil. And church... This isn't a prayer that we pray from a safe distance. To pray for God to come through on God's promises for the sake of the world, it means that we are called to pray and to live at the place of the world's pain. Jesus is instructing us through this prayer to walk ahead into the darkness and discover that even the dark places, those belong to God. And God is there and is at work and it is inviting us to join him in the liberating, liberating freedom rending work that he is busy with. The thing is that, and I get this, friend, that to join God in this work is to sign up for struggle. The enemy is not keen on seeing people liberated from idols or from oppression. As Frederick Douglass noted in the struggle for deliverance from the evil of slavery, power concedes nothing without a demand. It never did and it never will. A struggle may be moral, a moral one, or it may be a physical one, or it may be both. But it must be a struggle. Those who profess to favor freedom and yet Depreciate agitation are people who want crops without plowing the ground. They want rain without thunder and lightning. They want the ocean without the roar of its many waters. This is why yesterday Christ City gathered with a dozen of other churches and over 300 people virtually and in person to demand that the city build quality affordable housing. The prayers that we prayed and the statements that we made, the agitation that we engaged in was our collective exhale of the prayer, deliver us from evil. It's why this weekend we will join with minor mutual aid and the Ward 6 mutual aid and our neighbors in Rosedale and along 8th Street to provide food and clothes and diapers and kindness to those being most affected economically by our pandemic. This is our embodied prayer. Lord, deliver us from evil. This is why we continue to pray and to protest and do the internal work of unmasking our racial injustice and racial inequity in our city and in our lives and even in our own community. I said an embodied prayer. It is a joining with the Spirit's liberation of us. Lord, deliver us from evil. And it is why when we face the lies and the schemes of the enemy in our own lives, and when we have to face the reality that we are not yet who we intend to be because of the enemy's frustration in our lives, we're able to pray with boldness and confidence to God to deliver us from those schemes of the enemy. Listen, I understand it can be a fearful road to face the evil that lurks within us and that prowls the world around us. But family, we need not be afraid. For we know that in the cross, God finally and radically dealt with the enemy. Christ is victorious. Our work is not in vain. Because our work isn't even our work, but the Lord's. 
the, the midpoint of our prayer series a few weeks back it was, it was actually Palm Sunday. And although we didn't preach that Sunday on the Lord's Prayer, the message that day has a lot in common with this phrase of the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil. You see, during that Sunday, we reflected on the shouts and celebrations of the people as Jesus entered Jerusalem. The thing that they sang was Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. In other words, they sang, our God saves. That's what Hosanna means in English. Our God saves, liberates. Our God delivers us from the evil one. They sang then in anticipation of what God would do. And we pray and we sing in confidence now of the deliverance that God has already done in our lives in the cross. And let us live out our Hosanna, empowered now by the Spirit joining in God's liberating work in the world. Let us pray with our mouths, with our lives, breathing in the prayer and living out the prayer. God, deliver us from the enemy. Jesus, that is our prayer. God, we pray it now with our lips. We pray it now corporately and communally as a gathered body. And God, I pray that you would find us living out, exhaling that prayer in the week and the days ahead. As we are salt and light, as Nikki exhorted us to be, pointing those around us towards the hope that's in Christ and participating in the in-breaking, incoming work of your kingdom that was begun on the cross and in the resurrection. God, I pray that you would see us praying these prayers in our prayer closets and in our neighborhoods. For your glory for the sake of our city. In Christ's name, amen.